Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, August 9th, 5.28 a.m. Central Time. December corn futures up one at 4.99 and three quarters. November soybeans up 11 cents at 13.17. Nice recovery in the soybean market yesterday. December Chicago wheat down seven and a half at 6.74. December Kansas City wheat down three and three quarters at 7.77 and three quarters. December spring wheat is down six at 8.39 and a half. We've got some fresh um, EV biofuel jet fuel news here today. So Phillips 66 and ADM are considering a joint venture to produce lower carbon jet fuel. The companies are exploring how to use ADM's dry corn mill operations to convert grain-based grain -based alcohol into jet fuel. ADM owns two of the largest dry mills in the country. Those are located in Iowa and Nebraska and combined they produce 613 million gallons of ethanol annually. Philip 66 is planning to start making renewable fuels next year at a refinery in California from fats used cooking oils and soybean oils. The refinery is expected to churn out 50,000 barrels of renewable diesel, gasoline, and jet fuel daily. California is the state very much so that is leading this low carbon fuel market charge, um, rewarding producers. Uh, with credits and all that sort of stuff. Thank you to Reuters. They're the only people who report on this stuff. Um, so without them, we'd be kind of in the dark the way that it seems. This electric vehicle thing is not going away. 8% um, of all new auto sales is the estimate this year. I see a lot. I know in the country, you guys probably don't see as much of this. Um, I live outside of Nashville. In the cities, you're starting to see a lot more of this. I've got tons of neighbors that are driving Teslas these days. So this is the real deal. I mean, it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, but the fact that you've got your big players, your Phillips, your ADMs, and a bunch of other companies uh, pushing this corn ethanol for jet fuel deal is uh, is a good thing. And hopefully uh, we don't run into a year or two where there's just too many EVs and not enough jet fuel being manufactured. Hopefully they fill the gap or, or maybe we're producing jet fuel and still using a lot of corn ethanol in the gas tank at the same time, which would be ideal and uh, positive for our corn market. So some good uh, big picture news here to start off. USDA will release its monthly crop production and WASD report on Friday. Traders expect the USDA to reduce its estimates for this year's U.S. corn and soybean crops. A poll of analysts conducted by Reuters pegged the U.S. national corn yield at 175.5 bushels per acre versus 177.5 last month. The soybean yield is expected at 51.3 bushels per acre versus 52 bushels per, per acre last month. Traders will also be on the lookout for changes to the demand side of the U.S. balance sheets in addition to global supply and demand adjustments. So I would probably say that the corn and soybean yield numbers are your big ticket items in this report. That's the first thing most people will look at. It's, it'll be the first thing I look at for sure. Um, this is more of a survey-based report, whereas the last uh, couple of reports have been more like formula-based reports when it comes to uh, the yield numbers. In the poll of uh, analysts that Reuters did, there were a couple out of like maybe a dozen that were calling for uh, either unchanged or higher yield numbers versus July, which would be a real shocker if they published that. Um, you could also see changes to the demand side of the balance sheets. Um, you could see some stuff on the global balance sheets. But I think in terms of like 
uh, what people look at, what the big ticket item is, is it's those corn and soybean yield numbers, carry out numbers. I mean, they're not only a function of, of the yield numbers, but also a function of what does USDA do with demand. If they do cut the size of the crop, they're probably going to cut new crop demand estimates also. So it's always tr tricky to figure out. And these are just, you know, we're getting started here trying to figure out the new crop situation when it comes to supply and demand, certainly. If you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about what you put together yesterday? We can't talk about grain marketing every single day because there isn't something to talk about every single day. So we throw in uh, uh, content that we think is of value to our subscribers and most of the people that that subscribe to the premium stuff, farmers, people involved in agriculture. Uh, we talked about off the farm investments, uh, in particular, some of the opportunities in fixed income that have come up given the higher interest rates. Uh, you guys are all paying higher operating notes, but there could be a way to counteract that through some of your off the farm investments. Talked about the equity markets a little bit. Um, we had our friend Travis Martinek on, who's a financial advisor, and uh, there is there is a right and wrong kind of financial advisor. He's the right kind. If you guys want to see this video and uh, everything else that we do, more email. Um, you see the six most recent premium videos when you sign up in that next email. Go to standardgrain.com. You can sign up this morning. This is a $50 per month subscription. Cancel it anytime. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. It takes about a minute to sign up with your credit card, guys. U.S. weather forecasts remain mostly non-threatening. Rain fell over parts of Iowa and Kansas early this morning. Large areas of the U.S. Corn Belt are expected to see at least one inch of rain over the next seven days. Eastern areas could see much larger amounts. The plains are slated to stay mostly dry. Little rain is expected from North Dakota down to Texas. Temperatures will be back and forth, but should trend below normal over the next seven days. I see this as being mostly non-threatening and benign, although you could argue that the lack of rain in the forecast for North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, down to Oklahoma, Texas, maybe it will hurt crops in some of those areas. The heat's going to be kind of on and off. I think there is going to be a little bit of heat uh, this weekend and especially, you know, the further south that you go. I still don't see this as, as being threatening. I know that we saw a rally in the soybean market yesterday. There's some heat potentially in that 8 to 14 day time frame. I feel like maybe this has more to do with pre-report position squaring. And maybe you saw some demand pop up. Uh, you know, U.S. beans are competitive on the export market once you get past that um, like harvest uh, window. So China should be buying new crop beans this time of year. And if we did see some demand pop up, that would not be uh, surprising to me at all. Poor global and domestic demand is hindering China's economic recovery. China's exports declined 14.5% in July compared to last year, the worst decline since February of 2020. And of course, that was right when COVID was taking off. Imports, imports fell 12.4%, uh, the worst since January of this year. China's economic recovery was expected to be fueled by strong domestic demand. However, overall consumption and investment have remained poor. The Chinese central bank devalued the yuan on Tuesday, bringing it to its lowest level in over a month. Experts believe economic growth will improve in the second half of this year as Beijing attempts to improve the economy through pro-growth pledges. This uh, hurt the stock market yesterday. Uh, also, uh, Moody's downgraded some of the banks, which did not help. As it relates to corn and soybeans, uh, USDA is 
uh, projecting that Chinese corn imports will actually increase uh, during this new crop marketing year that begins on September 1st. They're talking 23 million metric tons of corn versus 18 last year. Soybean imports expected to be steady in the new crop marketing year at 99 million. So um, I don't know. We hope China's economy is is not as bad as as what some of these things would suggest because uh, we're going to need that demand given the uh, big crops and and growing supply base that we've got essentially. Ukraine's 2023 grain crops are expected to reach 50 to 55 million tons, up from 53 million tons in 2022. Uh, Ukraine's ag ministry originally forecast, forecasted a crop of 46 million tons. The forecast for the country's grain and oil seal, oil seed crops combined has risen to 76.8 million tons, an increase of 8 million tons. Among other crops, farmers are expected to harvest 27 million tons of corn, 20 million tons of wheat, and 5 million tons of soybeans. With the Black Sea grain deal no longer intact, Ukraine's export options are now limited to small ports on the Danube River and rail through western neighboring EU countries. Um, so this is still down sharply from pre-invasion levels. Uh, the market seems just very much disinterested in all of this. We've got all sorts of headlines regarding, um, you know, new attacks. Every single morning, there's something on the wires. New attack here, new attack there. There was the attack on um, a Turkish grain facility, I think, a couple of days ago. We didn't talk about it because it was really an immaterial amount. But um, this just the market seems just very much disinterested. I mean, wheat futures have lost what a buck and a half over the last two or three weeks, just on even just despite this news, which some of which would appear to be friendly. As I, I said once before, I think the bulls or people who have tried to buy wheat in particular on this stuff, they've just been burned too many times, too many times. WTI crude oil futures traded at their highest level since November overnight. Oil prices rose yesterday after Ukraine threatened to retaliate if Russia continued to block Ukrainian ports. The potential for supply disruptions caused fresh buying in the future futures market. Also yesterday, OPEC reaffirmed its plan to cut supplies next month. Despite all of these supply concerns, weakening demand continues to hinder gains. The forecast for U.S. consumption has been reduced and China's oil imports have slipped to a six-month low as as their economy continues to struggle. Higher crude prices have a number of implications. So this crude chart looks quite a bit better. Um, we've rallied substantially. This thing was trading in the 60s, you know, back in as, as recently as like late June. And now we're up into the low 80s, which has been kind of like the extreme upper end of the range. If you break out up into the upper 80s, into the 90s, it's, it's a game changer. Um, it's inflationary by nature. Um, we don't want to see inflation return, but at the same time, it's probably an overall positive for our commodity markets. And uh, I think we've mentioned this once or twice here before. Um, inflation is, if there's commodity inflation, I mean, that's a net positive for the commodity producer. Yeah, your inputs may be up, but you know, higher corn and soybean prices, wheat prices are generally good for you guys. So there's, there's a lot of uh, irons in the fire here when it comes to crude oil and, and its impact on commodities um, overall. Cattle were what, mixed yesterday? Uh, yeah, uh, feeders lost an average of a buck 10. Live cattle were narrowly mixed, ranging from 57 cents lower to 87 cents higher. Box beef continues to stay in that three to 305 region. Uh, choice end of the day at 302.39, that was up 90 cents. Select end of the day at 276.16, that was up a buck 15.
Uh, outside markets, we've got a little bit of a recovery in the stock market. S&P's up 12. The Dow's up 70. U.S. dollars are off a little bit. Bonds are flat. Precious metals, mostly flat. Uh, crude oil is up 78 cents in the September WTI at 83.70. Have a great day, guys. We will talk to you Thursday.